Hey, welcome to the Bakesh Podcast, <laughs> uh, where we are going to talk about uh, Passover again. So you might have heard the Old Testament Passover. I'm not sure what order these are going to come out in. Um, and now we're going to talk about, I call it the Old Testament Passover. So the New Testament Passover. Yep. We're going to talk about the messianic undertones yeah. of the Passover. So if you heard the other one, which it seemed was like kind of very straight up, you know, Passover-y. Well, like I word? mean, we, we really <laughs> took it out of Scripture to kind of see what it says, what Scripture says about Passover. I mean, we focus mo- mostly on Exodus 12 and 13, um, which is where we see, I guess, the Passover in real time, but also God kind of laying out... Um, I guess guidelines, command, ordinances, whatever you want to say for Passover in the future. Um, once they legitimately get out of Egypt, and um, I guess future spoiler alert, we'll, we'll talk about it in Deuteronomy when they're actually entering the land and how mm-hmm. um, we're, we're going to kind of stick with those Old Testament commands when when thinking Passover. So, um, so yeah. So this week, I think we're we're going the where it is that Passover is referred to in the New Testament. Uh, we'll talk about some of the Passover connections. If, if you were to, um, as a believer in Jesus uh, and, and a believer that, that he is the Messiah, kind of what a, kind of the connections that you can make with Old Testament Passover and um, the New Testament Passover, um, as we could probably study it now. Yeah, and um, so we've, you know, we've read some, Books and commentaries and all that kind of good fun stuff. Um, there's people that st- have studied this in depth. Um, where there are people that have taken guesses or speculated uh, as to what certain things might mean or what they could. Excuse me, I always have to cough. <coughs> or what they could um, uh, potentially be pointing towards. And so I would say for the most part, we have kind of these scholars agreements here, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not above speculation. Yeah. So, um, and then, and then some of it know. comes from tradition as well, where, right. um, you have some of the, the Jewish Passover, uh, and then you've had people that have taken that Jewish Passover and I don't want to say made it messianic because I think Jesus made it messianic, but made the the Jesus connections with with the Jewish Old Testament or the Jewish tradition of of Passover to, to kind of give us what some might um, study Passover today right all Good. right yep sorry and uh, for anyone who's like Bob well, Don was quiet there um, messing with some levels we got some feedback about some quietness and I'm just trying to Fix it and make us louder. Hey, hey, we well, we, we sh- want to fill your whole house with noise. Absolutely. We, we, we shouldn't be so excited about uh, getting feedback and going, yes. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> criticism. <laughs> so if you hear our breath on the microphones more or, you know, I got those little foamy things. Maybe they would take, I feel like I hear every single time I'm like. <sighs> I was going to say, you're the one with the headphones on your head where uh, you, you actually look like a legit podcast person. Not that I even know what a podcast person looks like. Oh, like me. But, okay, so you look like a legitimate podcast person, and I'm just a random guy talking to a mic with a computer in my face. You're doing a great job. Thank you, thank you. So how do you want to... uh, We talked about what we were going to tackle. Right. But I guess we (laughs) were pointing out how (laughs) or... 
uh, we're going to tackle it. So how do you want to... That's pretty much how we roll. Um, well, I right. guess ultimately... Well, we have a theme. You know, the other one's like five minutes of banter, then we right. read the scripture, then we talk. Here, it's like... Isn't that uh, all we need? Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know what if you had a... Because last time we read out of Exodus... 12 and 13. 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure if you had anything well, you wanted to read along. I, I think these are not really. I have kind of scriptures that we can kind of go into um, when we're getting into some of the things that Paul referred to when it came to Passover. We can kind of talk about some of the actual, you know, connections uh, between the two. Um, well, so, uh, you know, lead us, lead us there, fair leader guy. Okay. Do what you're leading. So, uh, oh, thank you. I, I didn't, that was not discussed ahead of time. Um, congratulations. I, I think, uh, so we thank you for bearing with us. Cause so what we've done is we've done a very exegetical version of Deuteronomy where we, we kind of pull it or expository version of Deuteronomy where we kind of pull it directly from scripture. Um, and here we're kind of still pulling it out of scripture, but with a theme. And so I think these theme podcasts are a little bit uh, new to us. And I would recommend listening to the other one first. So we have one up about um, the Passover. I think I call it Passover OT. Hopefully I don't change the name of it. Um, (laughs) it. Listen to that first. And then I think that'll give you a good foundation as to what you can come back here and listen to on this one. Okay, cool. So, well, until next time, guys. Oh, wait, we have to actually record it. Oh, yes, oh, we yeah. do. Okay, cool. This isn't live. <laughs> There's not like, oh, oh, this is new. <laughs> All right. So, um, ultimately, um, we have Jesus in the New Testament. He is going to celebrate the Last Supper. Uh, many people are familiar with this Last Supper um, with Jesus. And ultimately, what he's really doing is he is selling, uh, celebrating Passover with Which his account? disciples. Which account are you going to read? Um, I have some Luke. Okay. Yeah, I have some Luke. Um Yeah. And then we have some Corinthians and stuff in there, too. Um, And so ultimately, um, we're discussing he's eating with the Passover with the disciples. Ultimately, uh, throughout most of Deuteronomy, as we've been studying it, um, we go back to Egypt. He reminds them who brought them out of Egypt many times. And we are actually talking about the case where he brought them out of Egypt with the last... um, plague from the Egyptians' perspective and wonder and, and or sign from the, the Jewish perspective. Um, he is going to celebrate this Passover, but he's going to bring new meaning to it. Um, no longer are they just celebrating their um, freedom from bondage and slavery in Egypt, um, but they are now celebrating uh, their freedom and bondage uh, from um, sin, which, which we uh, get to celebrate through Jesus, who is our Messiah. Um, so is there anything that, anything that you have to, to kind of, that you want to throw in there before we kind of get into some of the maybe comparisons that are there? No, I think the only thing I want to put in there is that um, Jesus would have been Jewish, obviously, and he's really partaking in the Jewish holidays and customs and things like that. Um, he didn't. I'm trying to be careful about what I say. You know how spell check goes. You don't want the red line. Right, absolutely. Um, he didn't separate himself from the Jews in a manner of saying, I'm going to do things uh, radically outside of the customs and outside of the festivals. He continued to um, live perfectly and obey the festivals that were set up before him. So he didn't go all rebellious and be like, I'm the son of God. I don't need to do this. He actually joined in the humanity like we've mm-hmm. come to 
as Christians, most of us know that he was fully human and he joined us in our humanity. And that included times of uh, feasts that and feasts that included both remembering celebration and mourning. So it wasn't like he was just like, oh, these poor little humans, I'm going to like, you know, hang out with them and, you know, have a piece of uh, pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving, even though they're being, you know, stupid or weird. He was actually like, hey, I'm joining in on this celebration at the same time you guys are. And I think that just seeing that human picture of Christ is not somebody who's, I can't think of the word. He's not just like condescending or like, you know, like, oh, cute little people. Like I created you and you're doing it. You know, he's actually like joining in wholeheartedly. And as you'll read actually in, in the account in Luke at some point, um, he takes it very seriously and actually makes kind of a future promise based off of it. So, and, and this isn't anything new that's like new Testament. Cause when you, when you look at the old Testament, you see God do a lot of big things uh, and really reinforce things that he's done or continues to do using these different festivals and using um, different times when God had intervened and really revealed himself to his people really throughout history. Um, so I don't think this is anything new when Jesus kind of steps in and says, well, let's go ahead and take this this festival that, that you've been celebrating for a very long time or, or supposed to have been celebrating, and let's go ahead and put some, some uh, let's reinforce some of the meeting or, or add some new meeting to, to what I've already started. Yeah, spoiler it's still a remembrance thing. <laughs> Absolutely, that's true. Yeah, so, it's still a remembrance thing. And uh, I guess the only other thing I would say is like, we're not, well, I don't know about you. Um, I won't speak for you. I, we're, I'm not here to Judaize anybody um, or to say that you should celebrate Passover, but I'll say you should try at least once in your life to sit down at a Seder, a Messianic Seder, which is Seder's the Passover meal. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say at least once. And and I'm the wrong person to ask, but um, ultimately, one of my favorite holidays and our fam- fa- family's favorite holidays is actually Passover and Easter. And it in- actually influenced our Christmas um, to the point where there's so much meaning and symbolism into the things that you do at Passover that I'm really sitting next to a life-size put-together camel that my wife and I kind of re-put together our (laughs) Christmas um, to the point where everything we do at Christmas, we have lots of different objects and symbolism and things that help tell the story of Christmas and what it is that we're celebrating. And Passover does that exact same thing. There's a lot of very hands-on, interactive... Um, pieces that come to celebrating Passover. And and part of what God usually wants us to do when, when he discusses all of these different things um, that happen during Passover is for people to engage in what God had done, not just in the generation lit, that lived it, but for future generations as well. And a lot of what we read in Exodus 12 and 13 addresses um, the future generations. So yes, he's talking to the people that are experiencing it, but in mind, he also has those that are going to experience it in the future. And they are to also see that, see um, the, the Passover and the Exodus as something that they had lived through and that God had brought them out of Egypt, just like those that were in that first generation. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, wait, well, what am I, am I supposed to celebrate Passover? I, you know, I can make the argument, 
that no holiday really bears weight uh, on our Christian walk. Like we are not commanded to celebrate any holiday. However, if you're going to choose holidays to celebrate, maybe you should think a little longer and a little bit harder about it. And next time somebody gets all war on Christmas on you, you could really kind of re-examine what you're celebrating and maybe put some deeper meaning and some deeper thought and prayer into it. Now, I guess I'll kind of, I'll, I'll punt that out there. All right. And leave that. Yeah. <laughs> I just got, you know, and, and maybe, maybe for the fun of it, I, I don't know, it'd be up to Don. Um, maybe around Christmas when we pull out the camel and the treasure chest and all of that, we can do a video podcast or something. And maybe, yeah, and maybe examine some other, like the, uh, are they the Jesse trees mm-hmm. that some people do? Some things that are just a bit different. It's not all stockings and what are some other, I need some Christmassy stuff. And, that, um, reindeer Santa and, and Satan claws. <laughs> yeah. Or we could talk about the real Saint Nick. Because <laughs> sometimes you got to slap a heretic, right? Well, does that like, mean we also have to go like uh, Valentine's Day and the true meaning behind that? Just kidding. The, well, I think that's more... I know. I'd say that's probably a lot. No, I don't want to update. Um, sorry. I think that's more Catholic. Okay. Uh, where, Well, I guess like even the story of Saint Nick, but there is a great story of Saint Nick who heard a heresy and uh, slapped the heretic in front of the general council, got dismissed from his position, and until somebody or the entire council supposedly had a dream that they had done a great evil and they had to reinstate him. Oh, I didn't hear that story. Oh, yeah, yeah. The real, the real St. Nick Ooh. stories are usually kind of legend-based, uh, but there's some fun stuff in there, depending on how far you take the legend. Ooh, I'm a, okay, I'm excited about Christmas now. Yeah, Not yeah, that well, it wasn't that, before, but... but we'll uh, forget about all okay, this by Christmas. Right. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, so... Sorry, we need to get back on... So uh, all that to say, um, I, once again, I would say, hey, you know what? It might be beneficial to explore Messianic Seder sometime. Mm-hmm, and yeah. it, now, well, let's jump into what differentiates the Messianic, which Messianic is basically saying pertains to the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Messianic mm-hmm. version versus the... Uh, kind so, of not verses, but we're going to kind of just talk about what makes it more messianic based. So, so the Jewish tradition goes back to Egypt being the sole purpose of um, the Seder. A messianic brings Jesus into the picture of, of how the Seder and Jesus fit together. So, um, so with that, I guess let's start off with just a couple connections and then we'll get into kind of some scripture. Um, the first one is slavery. Um, slavery are, are big themes in both of them, where slavery, uh, you are being, you were slaves in Egypt, and um, God was going to, you were owned by, by Pharaoh, um, you had to deal with suffering, and um, God was going to rescue. Um, if you're talking about the messianic uh, connection, uh, we are slaves to sin, um, and we are unable to... to um, be seen um, as righteous um, without without the Passover lamb being Jesus. Um, this one was kind of new to me as I was just doing some some research. Um, miracles. So if you look at a messianic Passover, at least the one that we usually go through, um, it refers to the plagues as actually 10 wonders. Uh, if last week when we were reading through Exodus 12 and 13, it actually talks about the signs, um, where it is a sign for you being Israel. So these are actually signs or wonders that, that show God's power and sovereignty. Um, many times in, in Sunday school, as little kids, you see them as plagues. But I think that's from the, the Pharaoh Egypt perspective, where that is where they'd be seen as plagues. 
Um, someone said that the ministry of miracles or the things that Jesus did while he was on earth um, kind of show God's power and God's sovereignty um, in comparison to to the miracles and the signs and wonders that, that were shown in Egypt. I could see that. The, the miracles and wonders that happened in Egypt all... Um, you, you probably heard this in Sunday school, at least, that they were... Uh, God showing his command over things that the Egypts thought were individual gods. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, things like light and prosperity and life and water and things like that. God was saying, hey, no, I'm in control. Then he was taking those things away. Um, the At the same time, if you look at that, it's kind of like a great cosmic uh, event that's going on. It, Jesus kind of steps into humanity and he brings those wonders down or those signs and miracles down to a personal basis where there's a lot of affliction, uh, a lot of people who are sick. Uh, there's uh, not a lot of prosperity going on with the Hebrews at the time as they're uh, being ruled over by the Romans. And the Romans are basically zapping the majority of the life out of them. And there's no good health care. There's no good uh, you know, financial revenue streams unless you're like a cheating tax collector or you know, one of the very few. There's a lot of oppression. And um, you actually see in Luke 4, let me look at I should have been prepared. We need to have better conferences. Um, so if you're in your car, pull oh, over right. before going to your Bible app and scrolling to Luke 4. Yeah, Luke 4, 18... Jesus announces his ministry as someone say with the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he's quoting a scroll of Isaiah um, because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, um, which the good news at that time was that according to the Romans, that Caesar was their liberator and their Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's saying, well, I'm going to proclaim the good news that I'm the Lord. And overall, um, he's sent to liberate the captives uh, or proclaim liberty to the captives so they're oppressed once again by Rome. Um, and he's going to say, no, you know what? You're no longer captive. You're now a citizens of a new kingdom. Recover your sight to the blind. So that's, uh, once again, kind of a uh, peek into the physical healing ministry that Christ is going to do while he's there, um, as well as like a spiritual blindness. You can go both ways on that. Um, and set liberty to those who are oppressed and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So once again, he's kind of overtaking all the things that Rome stands for. Rome's oppressing you. I'm going to topple that oppression. Um, you're blinded. You're captive, etc. I'm going to topple that. The same way in the Exodus account, God is taking over. Um, you got a very urgent text message. God is taking over um, Egypt's, the things that are ruling over Egypt, the gods of the Egyptian culture. He's toppling them the same way. So you have that same kind of announcement. So. Yep. So carry on. Okay. So let's stick in Luke. Oh, wait. So, and then the last major one is the sacrifice. Um, And there's ultimately a lot more parallels if you go through an actual messianic Passover or Seder. Um, So there are a lot, there is a lot more symbolism that kind of goes with it. So we're just kind of hitting some of the, the surfacey stuff. Uh, when we're, when we're kind of talking about uh, some of the, the connections between Passover last week and, and the Old Testament and then kind of New Testament. Um, but the, sacro, the sacrifice being the Passover lamb was sacrificed so that its blood spread on the doorposts of each Jewish home. Um, it provided a covering that, re, that allowed uh, or that required them to be able to, to escape their um, oppression in Egypt. Um, and it is actually the, the lamb that becomes the agent of redemption. Um, later on, we'll, we'll talk about how, how Jesus kind of 
um, later on shows himself as being that that Passover lamb or or kind of changes. He kind of goes back to the actual Seder and kind of readdresses the sacrificial lamb. Paul actually reinforces that in Corinthians, and we'll kind of take a look at that later on when we're when we're looking at the the um, the lamb and the sacrifice and and redemption and all of those great words that that Christians like to speak of. <laughs> well, Passover kind of discusses and um, teaches some of those things when when we're kind of looking at that. Um, so pull over your car if you're listening to in your car. Turn to Luke 22, and we'll spend some time in Luke 22, starting in verse seven. Um, I'm there. You're there? All right. So I flip really fast. You do flip really fast. Well, you're already in Luke. That was cheating. Yeah, you know. I mean, 4 and 22 isn't that far away. Um, so then it came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So verse 7, that is verse 7. And if you remember from what we talked about in our last podcast, um, the day of or the day of unleavened bread or the the festival of unleavened bread lasted for seven days and started on the day of Passover, um, and that is the day that the Passover lamb was supposed to be sacrificed. Verse eight. So Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, "Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it." Um, they said to him, "Where will we have a where?" Where will you have us prepare it? And he said to them, um, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters, and tell the master of the house, The teacher says to you, um, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Um, so in Luke uh, 22, where we're going to be looking at a lot of some of these connections of where Jesus um, kind of um, discussed um, the Passover, um, it is on. It's talking about how Jesus was celebrating this um, Jewish festival of Passover and, and really um, unleavened, the, the festival of unleavened bread as well. I keep going. Okay. Yeah, I didn't going. know if you want to say anything. All right. No, I was, there's just a couple of uh, th- other things just to kind of keep in mind here is that Passover was uh, still uh, meant to be uh, prepared and celebrated within the place that God had said it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're still doing it in Jerusalem. They'd carried on that tradition. Um, you, so you see, once again, there's no <clears throat> difference. It didn't change somewhere. Uh, Jesus is still looking to celebrate under the same requirements in the same place that they were in the Exodus. So if you're kind of drawing that line. Right. That's about it. And and they were in Jerusalem. So again, right. That's what I mean. Yeah. They're still doing it within the place where God had ordained that they should do it. Right. So if you remember, it was weeks and weeks ago, um, probably chapter 12 ish or 11, 12 or 13, somewhere in that in Deuteronomy where God is like, you will go into the land and you will worship where I tell you. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't want them to pick the places of worship. Yep. So once again, Jesus still following that prescription of we will worship, we will celebrate where God is telling us to worship and celebrate is what's happening. And, and even in verse 16 or chapter 16 of Deuteronomy, which we'll also get to, he 16? still says, well, 16 is where the festivals are. Oh, yeah, yeah. So he had already said that many times of where it is that you're going to worship. But even in chapter 16, when they're addressing the actual Passover um, and these different festivals, he still hasn't given them a location because they haven't yet even entered 
um, the promised land. Right. But yeah. But he tells them he will give them the location to work. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. There's still that line there. Yeah. They're still, right. we're still there. And that's where they're celebrating it. That place that God gave them. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's so, but what I'm trying to say is there's, they, Jesus was, did not take it upon himself to go outside of the, the Trinitarian mm-hmm. will. Yep. He continued to still follow the same prescriptions is what I was trying to trying to keep drawing that line between the OT and the new T because I have all those people that we talk about make fun of to say the OT God's different than the NT God. And we're like, once Jesus comes, he's all happy in flowers and daisies. It's like, no, he was still obedient, uh, even to the point of death on a cross, as Paul would say. But he was still obedient to the scriptures and he still followed the will of himself, of God. Yeah. <laughs> of the Trinitarian thing that we won't discuss because it's too hard. Right. There we go. Right. Don's got that next week. No, never. <laughs> There's too many smart people that can write better books on that. Oh, yeah. My, my daughter asked me the other day, so, Dad, can you explain the Trinity or the... She didn't say Trinity, but she's like, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, um... But I saw the catechism, bro. <laughs> so I got we, some stuff for you later. We'll talk okay, later. Good deal. <laughs> we, we, we had a, a decent discussion, but I, I want to see what you got. All so, right. anyway, um, so verse 14, <laughs> and when the hour came, he reclined at at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is, or I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So in in that perspective right there, they, they ended up reclining. Um, if we remember the original Passover was, was done in haste. Um, the more, the recent Jewish, um, tradition from my understanding is they eat it reclined and the kids would, would basically at the table ask, well, why is it that we do it reclined as opposed to in haste? And, and you're supposed to kind of explain that. Um, so that's kind of where the, they're, they're not eating it haste that they're remembering that time that they, they did have to, um, eat it in haste. Um, Verse 17, and he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Um, So they are now getting ready for, oh shoot, I think it was the third cup. Um, Um, It depends on if he drinks it or not. Yeah. No, he doesn't drink it. I think he's just, so they're basically filling their cups for the... I'm going to say the third time. Yeah, this is the third. Yeah, the third yep. cup. So so the Passover meal, there, there's three readings that go on. And is it after or before the readings, they typically drink? Um, so it depends on which cup it is. So I think there's oh, okay. four so the total. Is different, yeah. I mean. Oh, there's four? Yeah, there's four total cups. No this wonder is the I don't third. remember the last time I did Passover. And the fourth <laughs> one is, I think, praise. And this one is the cup of redemption. So... Hmm. Jesus is getting, he's pouring the the third cup, the cup of redemption, Mm -hmm. and they are now um, passing it around, getting ready to go ahead and drink this third cup of Passover. And so this is kind of an important piece, but yeah, just remember that this is the, I guess the second cup is the last cup he drank with them. I'm like throwing spoilers out here because he won't drink the third. Right. Okay. So go on. I don't think so. Yeah. No, he won't drink it. Okay. Um, it says, take this and divide it among yourselves. For So now everyone's filling their glasses. And it says, for I tell you that... Or, uh, I just read that. Yep. All right. So now, <laughs> and he took the bread and we had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, so let me... This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
Now, and this is where I'm, I'm not quite sure how much of it is tradition and in kind of... Uh, so here's kind of my understanding of what's going on. So after they have the Passover meal, they then kind of celebrate... Um, okay, so even before they have, have the Passover meal, so let me go even further back. Um, near the original part of the, the uh, beginning part of the ceremony, um, they have the Ofikomen, which is the, the coming one. Um, they take three different matzah, and they ultimately wrap them together. Um, it is These are known as the bread of affliction. Um, it is supposed to be the reminder of, of the bread which is eaten in, eaten in Egypt. Uh, well, so matzah unleavened bread. Oh, yeah. That's the... Similar, sorry. Oh, yeah. For everyone's yeah. like, wait, I thought they had my own bread. Yeah, matzah is unleavened bread. It's so thin, it's it's very much a cracker mm-hmm. at this. Like, the, if you go buy matzah, you're like, oh, it's just a cracker. Kind so, of. Yeah. Yep. Um, so so we have the, the matzah, or this, this unleavened bread. Um, and again, the, the from my understanding, the, the Jewish perspective has many different uh, things like prophet and pre... I, I don't even know all of them yeah. in all honesty from the Jewish perspective. Um, but when you bring it into the, a messianic Passover, they look at these three pieces being the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, and the Son is, is supposed to represent the... Uh, or the middle one is supposed to represent the Son. Um, ultimately, I think in both traditions, uh, the middle part is broken and it's wrapped in a white cloth. Um, many times, the, from my understanding, the, the messianic um, version sees this as, as a white cloth just as Messiah's body would have been um, wrapped right before burial. Um, they look at two scriptures, Isaiah 53.5. Can you look those up real quick? So we got Isaiah 53.5. I about that speedy. Oh, wait, I went right to Je- Jeremiah. I'm almost there. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry, you said 55 53.5. 53.5, sorry. Um, and so they say, just as the middle piece is broken, so Jesus was afflicted and broken, and they use these two scriptures. Which are Sunday school. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which you've he, probably heard a billion times. You said 53.5? 53.5, yeah, and then Zechariah 12.10. Why don't you start looking up that one while okay, I read this one? All right, so 53.5, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. In King James, that is, by thy wounds thou art healed, or something close to that. I was trying to buy you some time. Okay. Are you going? Are you going ebook? To I, I'm be going quickly. Yeah, because I'm losing my spots, and so I'm like, ah. All right. So then Zechariah, twelve ten, and but I lost my spot. Zechariah. Ah, and I keep pushing the wrong button. Okay. Zechariah 12, 10. Um, this is good podcasting. Okay. Do you got it? No, I'm I don't. still looking. Ah. All right. So anyway, Zechariah 12, 10 is, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me, on him whom they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. Um, and so it's these two verses that they, they look at the, um, the matzah or um, the unleavened bread, um, at least in current day, uh, matzah, uh, many, uh, most of the matzah has little holes and stripes in it. 
Um, so you'll see little holes or different stripes in, inside of that. Uh, and many people say to kind of reflect on that and, and remember the Messiah, which was crucified, um, beaten and um, nails hammered through. Um, well, after the Passover meal, um, the middle piece of the bread is divided up as the Passover lamb was distributed. So this is where um, we now see, from my understanding, what, what is going on, is the Passover meal is over. Um, they have taken the Sofiko men. Um, uh-oh. Uh, they have taken the Sofiko men. <laughs> My computer's going nuts, uh, which is the coming one. Uh, they had hidden it, and now they are going to go ahead and find it. Uh, usually they have little kids go ahead and find it, and now Jesus is um, passing it out. So after the Passover meal, uh, the middle piece of the bread is divided up as the Passover lamb was and distributed um, as dessert. Um, this is where Luke twenty two nineteen comes in, and Jesus applies it to himself, um, where he says... And he took the bread, and we had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Um, Should I keep going? Uh, I'm looking. Okay. Yeah, I think that that's uh, about... I mean, it's very self-explanatory, and I think you explained it well, so I don't... um, This, uh, I mean, if you're... New to Christianity, um, you might not be aware. This is where we get the verses. A lot of times that when you take communion, your pastor may read these or something similar, or they might just say them or paraphrase them. But this is basically the institution of one of the two sacraments that we celebrate uh, in the Protestant church mm-hmm. uh, in this day and age. And I say Protestant because I think the Catholics have like a bajillion sacraments. Um, and we really just have like baptism and communion yeah. as Protestants. So, and I don't know what the bajillion ones are. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, verse twenty. <clears throat> and likewise, the cup after they had eaten. So, um, uh, the cup after they had he- eaten, saying, "This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood." But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. All right. So what we find out in Luke 22, verse 20, um, is we see him, uh, we see them um, getting ready to partake in the third cup. Um, This is the cup of redemption, which happens um, right after the Passover meal um, and right after they they share the ofikomen or or that that piece of matzah or unleavened bread. Um, Ultimately, right here, um, just as the Passover lamb was the agent of redemption from Egypt, um, Jesus right here becomes the Passover over lamb as, as we are redeemed from sin. Um, Jesus, uh, it's through his shed blood uh, that we have redemption from our sin. Um, ultimately, he is seen as, as um, his life it was given for us. Um, it brings us out of death and into life in him. Um, blood in Israelite uh, ritual, uh, the blood served as a purifying element. Um, so ultimately, uh, this is kind of a picture of Jesus's blood, which, which purifies us from sin. Um, we can see where, where Jesus protects us from, from death or the slaughtering angel of judgment, um, purifies us in preparation for the Lord's presence, protects us from what we, um, protects us from what we deserve. Um, all of those kind of going back to, to some of the Deuteronomy Im- imagery um, of kind of the Passover or kind of um, the Passover lamb um, 
or basically when we're looking back in, in Deuteronomy 12 and 13, um, we're ultimately seeing um, some of these connections with what was done in, in the Deuteronomy context kind of replayed out here when we see that um, it is Jesus' blood which is shed, seeing him as the Passover lamb um, and, and that sort of thing. And there's also the, excuse me, <coughs> I swear I cough way too much when there's a microphone See, in my face. You never cough when we're out talking. I know, it's like, as soon as like, <laughs> oh. um, the, uh, um, the part about the behold, the one who's betraying me, his hand is on the table with me right now. The verse 21 that we said at the end there, um, that actually is part of the fulfillment of prophecy. Um, regarding the son of man so that that is also put in there um to show that it, it was among his own people that would betray him um yes he's referring to judas if you're uh, familiar with that and you want to make sure that's what we're talking about yes but yeah that's also um a fulfillment of old testament prophecy so once again just drawing the lines between ot and new ot and nt i almost said ot and new t it's close enough okay i got that um, I bet, bet about All right. Cool. I'm so mature on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> I make funny noise. Um, then we have 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7. Um, this I'm not is flipping, you go. Okay, there you go. Um, so That's this is where Paul kind of reinforces this imagery that Jesus set out in Luke 22. Um, and again, that is 1 Corinthians 5, 6, and 7. Um... Your boasting is not good. Um, do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are unleavened. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So ultimately... Oh, I said, those are all your notes. Go okay. on. Um, <laughs> you looked at me like I had to oh. say something. I was like, no, this is out of your notes. Um, so ultimately, um, okay, I was trying to remember which which one. Um, so really, they're they're talking about uh, sexual immorality um, and various other uh, sins that are um, happening in the church. Um, and he is reminding them that uh, ultimately, uh, that just a little bit of sin in the church um, can ultimately um, destroy the entire church as a whole. Um, so he's now bringing back a Passover unleavened bread imagery, uh, basically saying that, uh, or kind of bringing back a Passover unleavened bread imagery, uh, reminding them that, that Jesus ultimately is their Passover lamb. Uh I know that at least in our home, uh, what we usually like to do during during uh, the Passover season is we usually end up getting rid of all the leaven in our home, uh, not just to remind us of what happened in Egypt, but with a a the thought process of. Um, removing the sin from our lives, remembering that, that Jesus, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed. And just because he's been sacrificed um, doesn't mean we go back to the way that we were living before, but we use that as a reminder to remove the sin from our lives. Um, it's a very difficult thing to do, um, especially in, in, in our culture where leaven is in a lot of things. 
Um, and so we kind of remind ourselves and our children that it isn't always easy to get rid of the sin and the leaven, just like it's difficult to get rid of the leaven in our homes. It's difficult to get rid of the sin in our lives. But because Jesus is our Passover lamb, um, we need to remember that he's been sacrificed um, and that, that we are free from that and no longer have to be bound by, by that stuff. And here's just kind of a fun trivia. Uh, Mardi Gras, it technically means Fat Tuesday, Mardi or Martes is Tuesday, Gras is fat. Um, and the idea behind Mardi Gras before it became uh, the exact thing Paul was talking about, a bunch of sexual immorality, <laughs> it was actually a holiday that was celebrated to get rid of all of the uh, leaven in your home, all of the uh, confections and all that kind of stuff before you went into the season of Lent. Uh, really? Yeah, that's actually what the whole idea behind Mardi Gras was. It was Fat Tuesday was the day to get rid of all of that stuff and what would happen, in, especially in the... I know this because I'm Polish, and so this is like what Polish people did. Um, they would bake all that stuff up and give it to their neighbors as gifts. Huh. So that's where you get the pooczki, which okay. is basically a donut with like some kind of filling inside of it. Right. You would give out as you would bake that up and you would give it away as a gift as you try to rid your house of... The eleven and stuff like that. So it was a great time to come together and to celebrate and to say goodbye to all the bad stuff before you went into this prolonged season of Lent, which is semi-loosely got some basis mm. on both the 40 days that Christ uh, went to the desert uh, not eating and drinking and mm -hmm. also loosely based on the getting rid of the leaven in your house from Passover. Really? So there's a, there's a lot of synchronism there. So like that's why a lot of people don't, especially in the Protestant, they, they get afraid of Fat Tuesday and they get afraid of the Lent season and things like that because of the the meshing of the cultures there. But those really were the reasonings behind Fat Tuesday. Wow, so, I did not know that. Yeah, welcome yeah. to the Polish lifestyle. Okay, because I know which our church was mostly not our church, but like growing up, like the Polish was majority Catholic. Okay, so you got a lot of the Catholic influence with the Polish traditions. Okay, which some of those. Polish traditions can lean more uh, East Orthodox mm -hmm. because you're kind of in that Russian Orthodox, uh, Jewish Orthodox area. So I totally did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. World, World War One, uh, Prussia and Polish Jews and all that were very uh, popular within the. Uh, I don't want to say culture, but in the nation. Mm -hmm. So you had definitely that big melting pot and mix of stuff. So. Okay, because I almost never look at. I almost never look at that as being anything at related all. to good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because um, Mardi Gras now is the New Orleans Festival, which is highly sexually and alcoholically and drug-infused and charged. And, like, it, it's a party in, like, where y you celebrate, you know, debauchery, right? Mm -hmm, yeah. <laughs> but in reality, the the roots of it were really to rid your house during the time of... Uh, Lent, which borrowed its removing the leaven and removing the sweets from Passover. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah. That's kind of neat. Yep. That's kind of neat. You bake your breads and your donuts and your uh, pastries and all that and give them away or uh, have a celebration with your family and friends to get rid of all of it before the holiday started. Oh, cool. So, there you go. Oh. From That's from a Polish perspective. Okay. If you're some other perspective, I don't know what to tell you. And these are. Uh, World War One, World Two, World War One, World War Two era Polish people that were my okay. great grandparents, which is where we got our. So, so does it have? An, so it doesn't really have much origin. Pre
previous to that then. No, 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 no. I'm I'm just saying like I don't know if the culturally I don't want to get too much into my story. So my great grandfather was in the German area during World War One as a as a Polish person and right. he was actually forced to serve in the German army in World War One. Okay. Things started to ramp up again and he was like, Peace were out and that's when he immigrated to America. So he came over here speaking Polish. <laughs> like he didn't come over here speaking English kind of thing. Um, so he and his family still celebrated a lot of the Polish stuff. Um, and they came over here, you know, uh, you know, basically Great Depression era and stuff like that. So, right. they, you know, they had like this frugalness about them and all these meshings of, uh, you know, a poor America. They were already poor immigrants, but they still had these Polish traditions. And as I grew up with them, my great grandma lived with us near the end of her life. Uh, probably about 10 years before she died, she lived with us. And so we had kind of these, you know, my, my parents were like strict Protestant at that time, but she still held on to a lot of the Catholic slash Orthodox beliefs right. that she had brought over from Poland. And okay. that's where we did the, like, you know, where she would talk about Lent or talk about Puchkis and oh. like, you know, we would eat our pierogies and listen to grandma kind of stuff. Okay. So, that's kind of fun. So I was saying like culturally, these were in that, in between that, World War One and World War Two Polish. I don't know if you are maybe modern day Pole and you listen to our podcast. Things might be different um, because you're a independent country at this point. Like I said, they're kind of a, a mesh of Prussia and Poland and mm. like Germany was overtaken. So there's there's a lot more. There's a stickier situation. Right. Right. So, okay. That's all. Cool. So that was two minutes. You guys will never get back. But now you know about the history of my family. I was going to say, my, so, there you go. Kind, kind, kind of interesting facts. Yeah. Um, so another yeah. interesting this fact. Is Polish facts brought to you by the Bakesh podcast. Now the Bakeshki, because it's got to be Polish. No, <laughs> Need like little commercial segments inside of uh, yeah. some of our podcasts. Yeah, just put a ski at the end and boom, Brought to Polish. you by. <laughs> All right. So what do you got in your uh, phone ski there with your note skis? So this is something we added a couple years ago in regards to the Passover lamb, and I meant to, to kind of put it in earlier and forgot about it. Um, so we, we added this to our, to our Messianic Passover, and it was just kind of um, some interesting... So anyway, I'll just read it. It says, Passover lambs were slain between noon and 3 p.m. on Nisan 14. There were three hours of darkness. Uh, from Nisan is the month. It's about oh. March. I have no clue. It's, a, it's around March or April. It's the month you're supposed to pass, study Passover. Sorry. So do, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, it was about mid-March through mid-April. Hey, yeah. I was right. Yeah, look at that. Good job. Yeah. I had it in my notes. I just had to look at it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there were three hours of darkness from approximately noon to 3 p.m. when Jesus was on the cross. Um, it was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until 3 in the afternoon while the sun's light failed, Luke 23, 44. When Jesus died, the temple curtain was torn in two from top to bottom, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two, Luke 23:45. Right when the rest of the Passover lambs would be on the altar in front of the sanctuary, Christ, our Passover lamb, has been crucified. Um, so ultimately, um, kind of the, the big thing is, is you see Jesus being sacrificed as a Passover lamb about the same time that they would have been sacrificing their Passover lambs as well, um, which I thought just was kind of interesting and in kind of making that parallel. This is more of a historical, not directly out of scripture, but you do have some scripture in here to, to show the time that he would have um, been sac or sacrificed or died. But um, historically, this is about the time that the Passover lamb would have been sacrificed as well. 
Um, so the last verse I have is 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. Um, um, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Um, So I think during the, I guess, contextually, um, they are not celebrating Passover. And in this part of Corinthians, um, they are not celebrating Passover with with the right mindset. Um, people are, are kind of gorging themselves. Um, you have a, a divide between the rich and the poor. Um, you have people going into Passover with the wrong mindset and not not uh, the focus on, on what's really important. And Paul is saying, actually, Passover is kind of a big deal, um, and it's even more so of a big deal if we remember what Jesus did um, when he ate Passover with his disciples. Um, because ultimately... Uh, oh, you keep saying Passover. Paul is actually talking about... So this is where we get... where we've lost it a, a bit because of the way churches are set up now. Um, he's he's actually talking about the the ordinance of communion that sprang off of what Jesus said in Passover. And the ordinance of communion during the time of Corinthians was actually an entire meal. It wasn't like, here's your little wafer and here's your little shot glass. Because well, they were still they were still um, uh, the participating in the um, Corin- Passover by now, weren't they? The, no, the Corinthians would not have been because they were uh, Gentiles. Oh, so, but so what he's talking about Wait, here is he's he's talking okay. about he is talking about the, the ordinance of the communion meal. But what's happening is they're going into the meal and they're leaving people outside who aren't getting any food. They're not partaking with other Christians that don't have any food. Um, some people are showing up to the you know this time drunk. They've already they've been drinking day drinking and then they go into celebrate uh, this meal together with their neighbors being all lit up and all that kind of stuff. And what Paul's saying here is, hey, look. We are now taking this meal. This is what basically the Lord told us to do during the Passover supper. Um, and we have turned it into uh, garbage, basically. And we've turned it into this, we've turned it into Mardi Gras. Um, and you guys aren't doing this right. And he goes on to say shortly after, do, 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 do. Uh, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks a cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So this is already uh, post-Passover. However, the line is drawn here is that the reverence was to remain the same. So the reverence in Passover that the Lord is commanding to remember, to look forward, to to do in Passover, to not just look at this as a, what do you want to call it? Like a, like you don't just go through the motions. Like this right. is a serious thing. Hmm. Um, Paul is once again saying, "Hey, you guys are you guys are taking this flippant attitude towards this, and you need to cut it out because if you do, you're going to be eating and drinking judgment on him or herself. You know, on your on yourselves when you do this." So when did when did they <laughs> stop? So it was because they were Gentiles then that they were not celebrating the Passover then. Yeah, once the once you get outside of the uh, Jews. 
like the gospel going to the Jews, you start seeing the Jewish traditions start to uh, basically go away. Hmm. Paul would have gone probably almost whole hog because he's the one who goes nuts in Galatians over the Jewish traditions being forced upon the Gentile people. Okay. So you get kind of that same thing. And what you've got to remember that basically outside of Hebrews, maybe James and maybe Jude, almost all of the epistles are written to Gentile folks. Okay. So he, he might've sat down and said, Hey, as a, you know, as a rabbi, this is what Passover was. This is what Passover was like. But now we celebrate the Lord's Supper here. Hmm. And then the Corinthians are oh, this is great. And then they're like, wait a minute, we get wine and we can fill our bellies. Oh, this is awesome. And then they start distorting what it's about and they start doing it flippantly and they're not examining themselves. They're not remembering what the Lord did for them. They're not living as the Lord instructed them to live and they're being crazy with it. So didn't know that. Because I've always actually, I'll be honest, I've always kind of wondered... Um, a lot of, I'll be honest, kind of, and this is kind of my own, well, I don't know, maybe we'll just save that for another podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cliffhanger! <laughs> so, no, well, I, I was just thinking, because I've always wondered, um, and I'm, I'm not against taking communion, but it's one of those things, and I do take communion, but I've always thought that, um, at least in, in, in our church world today, communion is such a, a small little piece to a weekly... Um, it's such a small piece to what we do weekly. And yet when I understand it from a Passover perspective, um, both Old Testament and, and Jesus's connection with that, I've always wondered on, on how it is that we got to a communion tradition inside of church when what I've understood it to be is Passover being an extension of what was told in the Old Testament and Jesus making it even more powerful and meaningful than it was before. So really, in all honesty, I have a very small understanding of where our tradition of communion has come from. Um, not knowing um, some of that, not knowing where it changed over from Passover to a communion perspective, if that makes sense. You, you see a lot of... Uh, removal once the gospel starts being proclaimed as far as the Old Testament traditions because they are no longer... This is where we get that... If you remember, we had that podcast on like Christ fulfilling the law and not mm -hmm. abolishing the law. Yeah. Christ fulfilled what Passover was doing. Okay. So there's no reason for us to any longer try and fulfill that. But now what we're doing is we're taking communion. And I think that you're... You're right. And that, gosh, that could probably be a podcast in itself. But like the idea of what the church service is now, a lot of times is based around convenience and comfort. Mm -hmm. um, however, churches should be doing what they can to make much of our, our sacraments of communion and baptism. Mm -hmm. uh, communion being uh, a time every week to do, to, you do, like it says here, you do in remembrance of what the Lord has done. You're remembering his death. You're proclaiming his death um, until he returns. You're saying, I recognize that, I recognize what he went through and what he did for me. And I'm going to take this moment to be in, in that weird dichotomy of somber and joyous. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm remembering what it cost. It cost him his life because of my sin but I'm rejoicing because it didn't cost me my life. And there, there's this deeper thing. So 
I, I hate to make it sound like I have like the rock star church because I'm always like, in my church is awesome. <laughs> uh, but in my church, it's awesome. Um, we actually have some purposeful things built in before you can take communion. So mm-hmm. you have to be served communion in our church. It's not just uh, pass it out free for all. Right. Like there are people that are designated every week. There's a team that comes up that has to serve communion. In order to be on that team, you almost have to... You don't have to exactly, mm-hmm. like you, you don't have to, but you almost have to meet deacon-like qualifications. Like you have to be living a life that is reflecting that Jesus is Lord in your life. We mm. don't just let, you know, Joe and Jill, not my wife, Jill, right. <laughs> Joe and Jane Doe go up well, there. What, and, what is going on <laughs> with, uh, your, do we, we need an intervention here? No, no. Uh, Joe and Jane Doe, they can't just go up there and like come off the street and serve communion. Right. And, like some churches I've been in the past where it's like, that's almost like the low level serving, like I'll oh, be on the communion team. Okay. Like we kind of fence that a little bit. You sit down with the person in charge and they talk to you, the deacon who right. does it and they tell you what's up. Okay. Um, and then before they go up, so we, tell you in, in this sermon, this is a time of reflection. We fence the table verbally by saying, don't do this unworthy. If you're not a Christian, don't do this. We're very, very particular about it to the point where some people might feel unwelcome, but we try and say, hey, you know what, partake in the life Christ has for you first, partake in Jesus before you come and partake in communion. So right. we don't let non-Christians do it. If you're in habitual sin, if you're excommunicated, if you're under a certain church discipline, you cannot take communion. And we mm. state that beforehand. Okay. Um, and then uh, we allow our band to come up and they'll let the music play for a few minutes while you reflect on your heart and your, the condition of your heart, maybe any unrepentant sin. Um, a couple of times when I've preached, I've told people like, hey, if you need to go make that phone call, you should step out and go make that phone call. Like mm-hmm. if you need to uh, patch it up with somebody, if you need to repent to somebody or repent about something before you go in, this is your time to go do it. Uh, other pastors have done similar things. Um, I At one point, I I was very bitter towards somebody who's actually a decent friend of mine, and I took him out in the hallway. I was like, look, before I take communion, i got to talk to you. Mm. And so we encourage that kind of right. behavior. Um, so the music will play for a few minutes, giving people a time to reflect on this before the servers come up to serve you communion. Okay. So you're forced into a moment of like silence before we let you come up and do it. Right. So we take, we take it very seriously. We take it to almost like 1920s Presbyterian level. The only thing you don't need is the communion token. Mm -hmm. Like, but we do fence the table and we, we, demand that you take some time with it. Um, but yeah, I know that there's a lot of churches that do treat it very much like, and it's communion time where they say, Hey, this is communion Sunday. And they do it once a month or once a quarter, or I'm not going to get into that. I think that limiting it to such a small time period is a bad thing. So, but that's just my personal conviction. So do you know then what the communion ceremony was look at, supposed to look like during the Corinthian time period then? So we see that um, I would go almost back to Acts. Is it Acts 2 or Acts uh, where everybody so Acts 242-ish? Yeah, but I don't think it changes the... Well, there, there's... A, uh, do, 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 do. No, it doesn't. Well, hold on a second. I, say, I don't know if that gives the... I'm going the wrong way. I'm like, Nahum? Why is Nahum after Luke? Oh, wow. I was, turning the, I was turning the Bible like I'm reading Hebrew. Uh, but I think that's where you first see a glimpse into the life of what the Christians are doing at this point. Yeah, so you have basically the apostles' teaching, so that's mm-hmm. the teaching of Jesus, the fellowship. Um, 
the breaking of bread, so the eating together and prayers. Um, yeah, the breaking of bread, I believe, is what is the reference to communion. But where do they get what that looks like? Well, they're getting that from Jesus and saying, do this in remembrance of me. And right. then he, he reiterates it in Corinthians, what we just read. But did he change that as not being the... Pa- so I'm just asking questions because I'm curious. Like, does that mean that they... Because I didn't, un- didn't get or understand that he said that the Passover meal was not supposed to be taken anymore, but well, th- uh, this so was still... Put yourself into the messianic context here. Right, right. They know now that the Passover lamb has been the Passover, capital Jesus symbolized, has been broken for them and has been bloodied for them and has been crushed for them. So they are, at this point, I don't want to say rejecting, but they're saying, hey, that lamb is no longer enough. We've mm-hmm. already had the lamb that's fulfilled that, so we no longer need the the goat or the lamb, the Passover one, because the ultimate Passover lamb has already happened for us. Right, right. So now what they're doing is they're saying, okay, well, we are no longer looking back on the, uh, you know, the hyssop branch and the, you know, the blood on the altar and the sprinkling of the priests and all that kind of stuff. Now we're looking back on what Christ has done for us. So they're no longer looking at roasting the goat and putting the blood on the doorway. Now they're looking at the broken body, the bread of Mm -hmm. Christ and the blood poured out the wine of Christ as their memory. So they don't, I guess like if you're looking at like linearly on a timeline, right? they're stopping a lot sooner now. Okay. They're no longer going to the, you know, the most Mosaic covenant. That covenant's said and done now, and now we're in the like Christological covenant. Hmm. It, that could be a whole nother okay. like I'm, the right. Yeah, the I'm curious now. I've got, I've got my covenants and all that. I've got my brain thinking because I kind of want to look back at the historical context and see when that, which it's not kind of, I mean, it's not really new, my thought process going that direction, but I've never seen in... Think of the veil tearing Mm -hmm. right there. So the Holy of Holies, uh, you see a lot of switch right there. The Holy of Holies had a veil in front of it. Only one priest could go Mm -hmm. certain times into the Holy of Holies. So over. Now the veil is torn. So right there we see the the disintegration of that separation between um, the accessibility of the common man and God mm-hmm. before you had to be a priest and you had to be living a certain way. Now the common man through Christ has access to right. talk to God. So you see the immediate, like right there to death, you see the separation of the law and the new covenant. Cause I, cause I guess I've always seen though, I guess I've always seen how much, the Old Testament Passover and the New Testament Passover, um, being what Jesus did there, actually connect so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw no reason for the, that other... Pa- I mean, obviously it disappeared, but I, I never saw a breaking away from that Passover. I just saw an enhancing of the Passover. Um, and so I always saw it from the perspective of of Jesus really enhancing a Jewish festival and tradition that has always existed. So I never really understood. And really it was just my own where I guess I should have done my own study and keep thinking I need to go back to it. But I never understood where the communion perspective got changed over from a Passover to a communion perspective and never, never really saw it in scripture. Um, but was looking more from a tradition perspective. What did that look like historically, and how did it make that transition? Yeah, we could go through, we could probably look at church history sometime. I think I might have a couple of books that might talk about where we started to see that 
big Protestant break. Yeah. But yeah, what you're, what you're basically doing is they're saying, hey, we're no longer putting our our trust in the Passover lamb. We're no longer right. putting it into this this created being. Now we're taking that trust and putting it into Christ and what he's yeah. done. So we're no longer worried about, you know, cooking up in the sacrificed goat. Right. Now we're putting, we're going to celebrate by having the bread and the wine. And that's what, like what Paul was saying here and what Jesus is trying to find what you just had there. The Corinthians verse, uh, uh, Corinthians, first Corinthians 11. Oh, 11. I'm like two chapters off. 1123. Okay. Um, what you have Paul saying is do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, for as often as you eat this bread, so bread, he doesn't say anything about goats and drink this cup talking about the wine. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So he's, there's no emphasis on any other part of Passover and you actually lose that emphasis on Passover, uh, Basically, after Christ, once you get into the epistles, you really lose the emphasis on the Passover meal, and you see more of the emphasis on the Lord's table or the Lord's communion so, or supper, whatever you call it. So they would have understood, though, because in First Corinthians 5, he talks about how the Passover lamb, I mean, he refers back to the Passover lamb in the earlier part of mm-hmm. Corinthians. So that means they would have had in their mindset an understanding of the Passover lamb, and even really, I'm assuming, the festival of unleavened bread if he was discussing sin as being leaven and in the same paragraph or in the same thought process talking about, um, um, talking about the Passover lamb, he also says, let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with the old leaven, but the leaven of, or the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Mm-hmm. So he's actually talking about celebrating that same fa- festival, correct? Hold on one second here. And that would be five, six through eight. Yeah. One thing, while, while I look at a couple of things here, just remember one that he is, Paul is their initial pastor. So they would have had... Bible teaching and Bible study, especially coming from Paul, who would have been a rabbi. Right. So but, keep that in mind, a Jewish in nature, but, but yeah. But would they have been celebrating that fat Passover or the festival then? Hold on. No, I think that, hold on, give me one second here. Because he just says, let us celebrate, therefore celebrate the festival. Now that's a couple chapters before, but you're still you probably, said that's five. So chapter, chapter five. five, verse six through eight. Do, 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 do. I'm making noise just so people aren't like, what happened? Oh, <laughs> did it cut off? Is it over? No, 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 no. I, no, just, I know. I'm just saying. Oh, oh, what, are they, what are they thinking? Oh, no, it's gone. Um, no, I'm just... Uh, again, well, see, I think and that's where you're going to get, and I would probably need to kind of do a more study of this, but he says, yeah. for Christ, you're looking at seven, uh, the end of seven, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed in eight. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, the leaven of malice and evil, but also you could also look at a possible. Well, I'll have to look at that one a little deeper. But with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. So yeah. So it seems are like we, he's, Is the old leaven? Are we not celebrating? Let me see here. Before I say something stupid, I don't have enough study time on this. But so t- maybe we can just kind of continue this at a later time, and maybe just kind of for the fun of it, readdress it. Or yeah, I think it'd be fun to do a, a podcast to that because once again, I'm just not. So, uh, I'm not again. I'm, I've got like a little mini commentary on here. I was just trying to see if I could get maybe uh but unfortunately it's being stupid and not being oh here we go. 
Oops, I don't want the key chart. <laughs> Hello? I'm still here. No, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah, just, yeah. I think we're both like looking like quickly and going, hmm. So right here it says, so here's a commentary I'm quickly looking up. It says, the background for the meal itself is the Jewish Passover meal, a sacred meal of celebration commemorating redemption. Um, but most Corinthian believers seem to have lost sight of this background. They treat the meal as a... F- a festal banquet such as they knew from Greek festivals or meetings of Greek religious associations. Um, see, I'm, I'm just wondering if he, and I would probably argue here without having, that's why I was trying to see if anybody smarter had yeah. anything to me is that he is arguing based on like a, an analogy or like a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Or something like that. He's not arguing on something that they were practicing. Right. Okay. But, but yeah. I, I didn't want to say that without seeing anything, but I don't have anything. So I wonder, Unfortunately, this little mini commentary I'm looking at here is just kind of lame. So <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if the reference to the Lord's Supper um, as opposed to Passover is that idea of they're still celebrating a Passover-ish type meal, but the Lord's Supper adds the extra pieces that... Um, well, the, he's addressing in chapter 11. When they, when we talk about a lot of like what they do when they get together as Christians in the New Testament, you do see a lot more of that community sharing a meal kind of stuff. And that's what I think that they're more or less doing because they're celebrating the Lord's Supper, at least by the traditions that we follow now. And it could, who knows when it changed? That'd be what would be interesting to look up. Yeah. Is that I, I'm horrible with church history. There yeah. are so many books on it, and I, I've never read any, any of them. I keep you know. wanting to get one uh, more on yeah. There's I, one there's one called like church history in plain language, and I'm like, how plain is it really? <laughs> but uh, it would be interesting to kind of see when they start doing that because we, by tradition, w- at our church we celebrate every time we come together, and mm-hmm. I think there's a verse that says to do something like that, like when you come together celebrate. But I have to look right. it up because I'm like woefully unprepared. Yeah, but that's what I would argues that they should do it every time they come together, and that's what they're doing here. Yeah, this is the IVP Bible back, or the IVP Bible commentary that said that it was the back, which I had thought originally, I hadn't checked this, so I was curious to see what they said. And they said the background was the meal itself and is the Jewish Passover meal. Um, So they're saying that the background is that, but this is only one quick commentary that I looked up. Once again, I would, and I would, Probably right now in my brain, look at that maybe a little bit different. Okay. Um, I would look at it as far as he was like making an, an allegory or something to say, but you know, let's see here. How often? Um, so, anyway, you guys are getting real time study right there as we're quickly looking through what resources we have quickly available. Um, but yeah, I believe so. that there's a, um, let's see, is there some churches? I'm just looking at somebody else's opinion. I don't want to get to it. We should probably... So let's cut it here before yeah, we say anything. Like now, so now I'm looking at people that I'm like, do I trust you? Yeah. you got a World Vision ad on um, your site. What does that mean? So, uh, so my do you pre- listen to K-Love? Is that... No. So from, from Don's previous studies, um, he sees that as, as being a, a separate entity than from Passover. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just always under the impression from, from what I had read that that was still Passover. Um, the IVP background or the Bible background commentary, new... Um, yeah, New Testament version 
um, says that the that it is the Passover festival. Um, again, we have not looked at other resources to see what else they say. Um, so maybe we'll go ahead and readdress, maybe just have a, a fun communion podcast sometime referring back to this. And, It'd be fun um, to do a study on. Yeah, kind of go be, I'd there. be game for that. Because, uh, you know, there's, a, there's even people that argue about the mode of communion, and there's people mm-hmm. that argue about all sorts of things. So it'd be a fun church history read when did it break why do we celebrate it how we do now i'd be open to that but cool so we'll we'll get we we promise we'll get back to deuteronomy sometime soon and uh yeah um, i mean well we'll, this will come alongside of some deuteronomy so they won't miss a thing so we'll reconnect it all together it's as we said it all fits together uh both old testament new testament um here's kind of an example of this is probably our longest podcast uh, ever it really is how long is it uh, hour and 11 minutes right now oh dang okay so you this was people skip those first three minutes right absolutely okay all All right. right Well, don't skip the last part because then you're missing out on some other good stuff. So uh, with that, uh, we probably need to shut it down and um, have a good week. All right, guys. Now you can start driving again and and put away your Bible. Hope you weren't late for work. Not here. (laughs) 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 I'm an hour late. Why? Well, they told me to pull over. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time. All right. Bye.